Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. And I remember when I was doing baby led weaning with my quadruplets, I just so dumb now, but like I was so scared to try yogurt, which didn't make any sense because they'd already had formula for a long time, which is cow's milk protein, and that's what's in yogurt. So I don't know why I was scared, but looking back, you don't know what you don't know. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. You don't know what you don't know. One thing I'll say about baby led weaning is that I remember when I was starting out six years ago, trying to do baby led weaning with my own babies, I was like, there are no good resources out there for exactly how you do this. I loved reading about what baby led weaning is and why developmentally it's you know, more appropriate, but like, how do you actually do it? And so I've created all these resources over the last few years as a now specializing in baby led weaning dietitian. But at the time, I'm like, what did I not know that I know now? And that's kind of the premise of this episode, which is five things I would do differently if I started baby led weaning all over again. So the way I got ready for this episode was I went back in my phone to the first few weeks that my quadruplet baby started solid. So I had a singleton who I struggled a ton with spoon feeding. And then at the height of my feeding frustration with her, we found out we were pregnant with quadruplets. So quadruplets are a whole thing in and of themselves. But by the time I actually had kept them alive till their six month adjusted age mark, I remember being like, we are not doing spoon feeding. Like I cannot force feed four babies at once. It was such a disaster with my oldest. And by that point, I had figured out what baby led weaning was and done a ton of research. But like, you don't know what's going to happen until you actually sit down with that baby and put that food out there. And even though I've helped so many babies since then start solid foods with baby led weaning, every single baby is different and you never know what's going to happen. So I went back on my phone and I was looking at the first few days of baby led weaning with the quadruplets. And I picked out five things that now that I teach this stuff full time, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But okay, so this is gonna be quick. Five things I wish I did differently if I started baby led weaning all over again. First of all, I wished that I had the fortitude or strength to ignore people who were pressuring me to start solid foods early. I know you guys get it all the time. That's a big baby. Your breast milk's not enough and he needs food. Or that's a small baby and your baby needs to catch up. So you should start early. Or those babies are six months of age, they should start solid foods, except 
my quadruplets were born six weeks prematurely. So at six weeks of age, they were really only like four and a half month old babies developmentally. So when their chronological age was six months, they were only four and a half. I had to wait until they were seven and a half months real life age before they were developmentally like six month old babies. So especially that six week wait period, when people knew they were six months old, including my mom, it was like, why aren't they starting solid foods? You should be starting. I spoon fed you and you turned out fine. These babies need white rice cereal. Where are they going to get their iron from? And I remember being like stressed about it, but also like, well, if you're not going to come over and help me feed them, then I'm not going to do what you asked me to. But I did actually wait until their six month adjusted age. I'm glad I did, but I wish I didn't let people pressuring me about starting solid foods early like get to me, okay? Because even as a dietitian, I know like nutritionally, they don't need anything except breast milk or formula until six months of age. And then from developmental standpoint, if they're not sitting up on their own, they don't have the core strength to facilitate a safe swallow and they weren't sitting at six months of age. But like trying to explain that over and over, I remember just like wanting to crawl into a hole. So that was the first thing I would have done differently. It's just like block them out entirely and not let them get to me. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The second thing I would have done differently, and looking back at my pictures, I had a quadruplet feeding table. So... It's kind of a thing in like preschools and childcare, these twin triplet quadruplet tables. And I knew this other quadruplet family that had one. And I saw the table and I was like, dude, when my baby starts solid food, I'm getting this quadruplet table. It's basically like, it's like a big desk table with these four bucket seats in it. And then you would put the babies in the seat and then strap them in. It's problematic for a number of reasons. First of all, it's freaking cute. Like four little babies sitting in a table, except that the biggest problem being that in a feeding table, their feet are dangling, okay? Now, I would have done all sorts of different stuff to kind of DIY a solid foot plate underneath the table, like with benches and boxes or Amazon boxes or phone books, whatever, to get their feet resting flat. But it's so cringy when I look back at my videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're like dangling their feet all over the place, which we know is an unsafe seating position for babies. So I actually did a whole podcast episode with Jeff Durkee from Nomi High Chair about the importance of a flat footrest for babies. If you want to go back and listen to that episode 172, it's called height chair positioning, reduce choking risk using this one simple move. And I didn't know about the importance of a solid foot plate at the time. So I see their dangling feet and like almost have a heart attack now. That's the second thing. The third thing that I would have done differently is also kind of related to the feeding table, but the feeding table was a flat surface with then like this little lip where the buckets that the baby sat and kind of dropped into. And I put the food directly on the table. And now I'm like watching the videos being like, how did I expect them to pick up the food if it's on a flat surface and they don't have their pincer grasp, right? So early on in self-feeding, your baby only has their palmer, their whole hand grasp. And so they smash the foods around the table, which is kind of ridiculous because then they're just making a huge mess and there's no way they can get the food up and into their mouth. I think it wasn't until after like a couple weeks of starting solid foods that I started research and I found the suction mats and bowls from Easy Peasy. So that's the company that I now use only their products in both my family and in my feeding practice. But Easy Peasy makes the original silicone suction mats and bowls all designed by their feeding expert. They're 100% food grade silicone and they have these pliable, flexible barriers that your baby uses their whole hand grasp to rake and scoop the food up against that barrier and then up into their hand and then into their mouth. So then I kind of fast forwarded through my phone and when I started using 
the plates like a few weeks into it. It was still before they had their pincer grasp, but they were so much more proficient in actually picking the food up because they weren't just smashing it all over the table, which is what was happening when I was just putting it directly on the table. So that's the third thing I would have done differently was not have fed the foods directly on the table. So if you're also in the market searching for some gear before you get started or after you start and you're like, why is this not working? I love the brand Easy Peasy. And I am an affiliate for them. I have a discount code KD10 that works for 10% off at easypeasyfun.com. I love their tiny bowls, their mini bowls, and their mini mats for starting solid foods. The fourth thing I would have done was I was looking through the days and noticing like I was just feeding them avocado, banana, and sweet potato like for a while. And I wish that I would have done more foods faster. And I don't know what I was waiting for. And so parents always ask me, are you sure you can do one new food a day? And we've done tons of content on this. There is so much research to support the idea of diet diversity and a greater variety of foods. A lot of that has, to be honest, come out recently. So I feel like it's not like something I missed, but I was like, what was I waiting for to try meats and allergenic foods and different textures? Like, I wish I had just moved faster with them. I did actually end up, the reason the whole 100 First Foods approach came to be was because I did end up doing 100 First Foods with the babies right before they turned one. But I remember having to kind of speed it up towards the end being like, oh, if we're going to make this, like I wanted to do it before they turned one. Whereas if I had just started doing a greater variety of foods early on, like just, I wish I knew that, gosh, babies can eat so many more foods than we give them credit for. And so if you're interested in knowing, you maybe you're hearing like, oh, babies need to wait three to five days before they try new foods. That's not true. There's no research to support that. Uh, One of the most downloaded episodes on the podcast is episode 84 called Why You Don't Need to Wait Three to Five Days Between New Foods. And it's an interview I did with the PhD dietitian, Karina Venter, who does a lot of research on food allergies and prevention and diet diversity. And we're kind of talking about this myth of needing to wait three to five days between new foods and why that's actually harmful and how that holds your baby back from achieving their potential with self-feeding and getting all the allergenic foods in early and often and doing the different textures So I guess number four is I wish I would have done more foods faster. And then the fifth thing that I wish I would have done differently or would do differently if I started baby led weaning all over again was to be much more conscientious about the importance of allergenic foods early and often. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. I have been trained traditionally as a dietitian over 20 years ago when the guidance was don't do milk until one, don't do peanuts till two, eggs till three. It was like, it was so much different than we have now. And I think at the time when I was starting solid foods with my quadruplets, and this was around 2016, so it's kind of right right at the, the middle point when all of this new research started coming out and guidelines started changing about introducing allergenic foods early and often. I can't remember, I was gonna try to look back in my phone and see if we got all of the allergenic foods in by the time, like 11 months of age, It kind of looks like the protective window for allergenic foods closes around 11 months of age. 
in episode 227, Dr. David Stukas came on and we talked about when this food allergy prevention window closes. And I remember being scared of the allergenic foods, but again, not really understanding that like the risk of true anaphylactic reaction in infants is very rare. Death from anaphylaxis in infants is almost unheard of. And that the only thing I can do as a parent to lower my baby's risk of food allergy is to introduce these allergenic foods. I remember being like scared to do milk. This is funny. I remember being scared to do yogurt with them, which doesn't make any sense because that's cow's milk protein. And the quads had been like on half breast milk, half formula since they turned like, I think four months of age, three months of age. So they'd already had cow's milk because formula, the base of it is cow's milk protein. So like, why was I scared to do yogurt? Kind of didn't make sense. But anyway, you don't know what you don't know. So those are five things that I would have done differently if I were starting baby led weeding all over again. I would have not listened to any pressure about starting early. I wouldn't have let it like get to me or second guess myself. Like takeaway message there, you know your baby best, especially for those of you guys with premature babies. Go back and listen to episode 119. It's called Premature Babies, How to Estimate and Adjust Age for Starting Solids. It's so important for kind of blocking out the noise because your baby is not yet ready to eat if they're not six months adjusted age if they were born prematurely. Second thing, I wouldn't have used a feeding table with dangling feet. I would have done a bunch of adjustments to get their feet resting flat if I was going to use the feeding table. And then the third thing was I wouldn't have put the food directly on the table or the tray as I see a lot of parents do because you're not setting your baby up for success. Having that flexible barrier against which they can rake and scoop the foods up and out using their whole hand grasp is so important early on in feeding. And I see families all the time who give up because they're like, this isn't doing anything. The baby's not getting the food into their mouth. Well, it's because you're just putting the food on a flat surface and all they have is that whole hand palmer grasp and they're just smashing the food around the table. So if we set them up for success with that suction mat or bowl with the pliable barrier, they can get the food up and in their mouth themselves. Number four, I would have done more foods faster because you don't need to wait three to five days between new foods, even though unfortunately many, many, many practitioners are still perpetuating that false myth. And then number five, I would have done the allergenic foods faster, knowing now that we think the prevention window for food allergies closes at around 11 months of age. So take a look at your own baby and how many of the allergenic foods you've done. And if you haven't gotten all nine of them in yet, maybe speed things up a little bit so that you can prior to your baby turning 11 months of age. And if you want to try out the 100 first foods challenge for your baby, my 100 first foods list is free to you on my free one hour online video training workshop called Baby Led Weaning for Beginners. This is where I take you through the beginning stages of baby led weaning to set you up for success so you don't make the same mistakes that I made. You can sign up for this week's free video workshop trainings and get that 100 first foods list. They're all in the same place. Head to babyledweaning.co. Again, babyledweaning.co for the free workshop and the 100 first foods list. And thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night.